It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at threepointpod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. The Wash of Owasso is excited to have you stop into their new and beautiful state-of-the-art full-service laundromat. Located at 809 West Main Street in historic West Town, Owasso, they're open 8 to 8 for coin laundry or drop off your laundry for wash and fold Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Too busy to stop in? No problem, as the Wash of Owasso will pick up your laundry right at your door and will deliver it back to you the very next day. Go online to thewashofowasso.com to view their pricing or call Call 989-472-3322 and schedule your pickup. As a special three-point podcast bonus, enter code 3PP, that's the number three and two Ps, at checkout for 10% off your first order. The three-point podcast team welcomes the Wash of Owasso to our blue ribbon list of partners and businesses we recommend and support. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, it's time for episode 206 of the Three Point Podcast. Our starting lineup includes Crow Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, the ALS Association of Michigan, and the WASH, the WASH, I should say, of Owasso. And by the way, I got a few other sponsors. I just want to throw their names out real quick because they participated in the uh, Special three-point podcast game we did on Saturday night. Uh, Freeland and Pete Westphalia. A good game, by the way. We'll talk about that just a little bit. But I want to thank the folks at Miller's Tavern and Fowler in Westphalia. Ox's Smoked Meats. The Little Flower Market in Westphalia. Village Smiles Dentistry in Westphalia. And Woods Deli in Puamo. And you know, guys, we talked about a little bit on the, off the air here. But uh, this old sports guy had a kind of a rough go of it the last uh, three games we put out there. Uh, I had a chance to let Casey Smith do his play-by-play debut against uh, the Owasso and girls uh, basketball game. He did really well, I think, for the first time out. But once you know it, the uh, the recording gods weren't working with me and only could get the first half. Then uh, the the Owasso Corona boys game, <laughs> the Owasso Corona boys game on three, you know, on the castle. Uh, they failed to record it at the studios, and the only option we had was this most god-awful sounding uh, airing of the game from our cable access channel. So I apologize to anybody out there for that one. And then Saturday night, after all the problems on Friday night, we had to go to uh, option number three on getting the game on the air. And it was at least uh, reasonably airable. You could hear everything. My partner, Joe, his mic was a little low, but 
it was it was just a hellish uh, weekend for the old sports guy. Hopefully things will be looking up. Yeah, it, it makes you appreciate uh, technology like both ways uh, that there's this many options mm-hmm. that, you know, it probably used to be like there's only one option. If that didn't work, you're kind of SOL. It was but, you done. know, now you get to go to two, three, four options, even just using your phone to record it. But also, if I mean, anyone who works in any sort of field that you use technology or, you know, whatever, which is basically everything, it fails a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes like stuff just doesn't work. And, you know, people get pissed off or, you know, they start complaining. I mean, just talking about my work at ESPN, you know, sometimes the feed goes out or a mic goes out. And then you see on Twitter, obviously, it's blowing up, you know, ESPN sucks, blah, blah, blah. And you just, (laughs) you know, you just don't think about like sometimes technology just doesn't work. So kind of like your car, Jared. Yeah. All of a sudden, like stuff just doesn't work sometimes. So. And, and I'll say it's we it's we it, you something as simple as you know these these feeds or whatever at ESPN or just recording this broadcast. I feel like at least when I'm like at work, it's like I feel like stuff is way more complicated than you think it would be. Like something as simple as hey, let's just record. Let's get um this record of uh, the Utah Jazz game like sent to ESPN or whatever. Like they have to do like three, like that's somebody's job for like 20 minutes setting that up, that stupid feed, feeding it, routing it, sending it back. Like you think it's simple, but uh, apparently not. Apparently not for Ted, even though all you have to do, put a phone in front of your mouth and just talk into it. I mean, everyone's got a like recording device nowadays. What, What was so hard about that, I guess? Well, no, I mean, well, I could have done it that way, but then you're passing the phone back and forth between Joe and me. I, I actually had two uh, miniature microphones uh, plugged into my to, plugged into my phone, and you know, his just obviously wasn't hot enough, or you know, I didn't do a good enough test on it. But you know, that's that'll be my backup from now on, anyway. Is just record it on my phone. I, that's the first time I've tried it, and it actually works pretty good, and plenty of memory there on on the uh, iPhone. So. That will definitely be my backup from now on. But, uh, you know, these things do happen. And what's funny, fellas, you know, we post these games on our podcast site, and it's amazing how many listens we get. And I obviously know that from the Corona Owasso game because I got, oh, let's just say a few texts and a few uh, Facebook uh, responses. What happened? What's going on? You know. So, that was no, your yeah, white I, well, and it got messed up. Yeah, the white right. well of the season. Yeah, yeah. I I would have loved it if because I you know back in my playing days you know now twenty years ago, um if if there was some sort of website or something that would post your calls because you called a ton of our football games and oh yeah and even a bunch of our basketball games, you know if there was some site that would post them later you know, even the day or two later, uh, I definitely would have listened to them. In fact, I have on cassette tape all of our football games that you called. Uh, my, my parents or something for Christmas went and had you, you know, uh, put them all to cassette tape for me. And oh. so I have all of those. And it is cool, you know, like to hear it. It almost makes you feel like you're like a, a college football player, like, a you know, or like a, even an NBA player. You got like a radio call of your yep. basketball game. Right. And especially even for friends or family who live out of state or, you know, live wherever, don't get to go to the game. Yeah, they know the outcome of the game. They know the stats or whatever. But to go back and listen, it is kind of cool. So, yeah, we've gotten actually like a fair amount of feedback from people you yeah. know, like old alum who still like to keep up on Corona sports or whoever you're whatever games you're doing. So it is cool. Well, anyway, and we're not. 
Oh, sorry, but we're not the we're not the most technically uh, sound. Uh, if you remember, like I think it was like one of our first episodes. Matt, it was like the first episode. Matt couldn't be with us to record. Uh, me and Ted did like a hour hour fifteen, uh, just talking about who knows what. Looked down and realized that the like there's like a music box speaker that's like been playing music right into the mic the entire show, and it, we tried listening to it back, and it was totally unusable. Uh, and we had to just totally uh, re-record it. I have a question for you, Ted, real quick, while we're talking about your play-by-play uh, days. Yeah, yeah. Last night, uh, and we we're actually going to talk about this in a little bit, but I'll just throw it out as a teaser. Uh, last night, Kelly Olenek hits a game winner for the Pistons against Charlotte Hornets, snaps a 15-game losing streak to the Hornets, believe it or not. Mm. Um, but when he did it, the uh, Charlotte Hornets announcer, people love him. You know, he's the guy that always loses his mind over the little mellow ball highlights. He basically lost his mind over Kelly Olenek making this shot. Um, what do you think if you're a homer, you're doing a Corona game and somebody hits a buzzer beater, it might be a little bit different for high school sports. Imagine you were a uh, play-by-play for a professional team. Do you think it's okay to be excited for another team's like opposing game winner? Well, for, for was, first of all, let me ask you this, cause I'm a little out of the loop. Was he excited in a positive way on the Pistons hitting the game winner or was he like a big downer that it was no not I didn't think it was I didn't think it was a downer you know he screamed Olenek and I think he had a couple other comments after after a few seconds had passed but I thought it was positive oh, you know okay. not, it wasn't like totally like acting like the Hornets it, he wasn't sad it didn't sound like no I think that's if you're asking my question or asking my opinion on it I think that's absolutely the way to be I mean you know uh you, you hear some of these college football announcers that are the home announcers they they get depressed i mean they're they're just bummed out when the opposing team hits a hits a winning field goal or something like that but no in the nba and a call like that and, and in basketball if you can't get excited even if it's the opposing team you, you probably shouldn't even be in it it's the classic hawk harrelson you know who used right. to do the white Sox. if the opposing team hit a walk-off home run he just wouldn't say a word he would just <laughs> let the broadcast go and then sign off so yeah, that he it is funny. Uh, people around here love. I, I, I'm blanking on his name right now, but people around here love the dude yeah. who calls the Hornets games just because of that. He's almost like Gus Johnson, right? Like after he drank ten five hour energies, like <laughs> as energetic as Gus Johnson is, this dude's even more. But but yeah, you're talking about the Pistons. I had to do an NBA game last night. We did the Mavericks and Warriors, and for anyone who didn't see, like. The Warriors got up, they went up like 25 in the second quarter to the point where the producer, like this is some behind the scenes stuff. The producer starts talking about, all right, we're going to have to start getting some stuff ready for a blowout. You start thinking about looking ahead, talking about the playoffs, what kind of stuff, you know, you always have these things prepared for like inside stories about, you know, like Steph winning all-star game MVP, or if there's some records that are going to be broken, he was going to break some like steals record by Chris Mullen for the Warriors. So you have all this stuff prepared for when it's a blowout and the game's just boring, obviously. But come fourth quarter, because it's the NBA, the Mavs come storming back and actually end up winning the game. And it was like an incredible game. So wow. it's just, it's one of those things. It's it's fun, like as a sports fan anyway, to like see the behind the scenes stuff, you know, a yep. blowout starting to happen. And, you know, the wheels start turning about how are we going to actually still keep this game interesting. And then all of a sudden the Mavs start storming back or whatever. It's just it, – it is crazy in the NBA. Like, it, teams can get up 20-25, and it doesn't matter. And it's crazy, like you said, Jared. I I forgot, didn't realize, whatever. The Pistons run a 15-game losing streak to the Hornets. That's just 
that's insane. The Pistons haven't been good for a, a little while, obviously, but to lose 15 straight to one team in the NBA, that's like you almost have to try to do that. That's yeah, almost. I, and it's, it's it's not like it's the Lakers or something. It's the right. freaking Hornets. Like they were not right. that good. I, I saw a, it was a tweet that basically said the last time we beat them, it was like Reggie Jackson was our starting point guard. So that's like five. It's like five years ago. Uh, but yeah, so that kind of just t- t- teased me right off for my catch up. Uh, I got, this is almost a sales pitch in a way. I just want you guys to view this with an open mind. Uh, what is happening before my eyes? So, uh, last week, uh, I'm not going to throw out who he is. He's, uh, anonymous. That's what makes him so special. Anonymous guy that I know places a $50 free bet, six leg parlay, uh, plus 12,000 odds the other day. Uh, his biggest bet was Pistons money line plus 600 versus Celtics. So the day goes on, day goes on. Uh, this bet wins. This bet wins. This bet wins. This bet wins. He's got one left, and it's uh, the Nuggets. Ver- or uh, excuse me, it's the uh, yeah the Nuggets versus uh, the Warriors, I believe. And it was our man from Flint Beecher, Monty Morris, who hit a game-winning three to win this guy, my friend, six thousand dollars. So he turned fifty into six thousand dollars. Okay, now fast forward to last night. Uh-oh. I'm talking to this guy. He places another bet. Uh, plus like 800, it was Pistons money line. And like we just laid out, they lost 15 straight times to the Hornets. Pistons money line, the over, uh, like some other player prop, it hits again. This guy is on an unreal heater. And let's just say I'm going to see this guy tomorrow. And whatever bet he places, I'm following it. And I just was wondering if you guys want me to send it your way and follow along. See, you, you get to the point where is the heater coming to an end? Exactly. Like, like, how long do you ride it? Is he should he just like cash out and say I'm good? It's kind of like the I Hornets know, and Pistons thing. Like, you know, at some point the Pistons are going to beat the Hornets. You know, it's like when you're playing roulette and it's hitting red, 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 red. You're like, all right, it's time to bet black. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's going to hit red again. Maybe it's going to hit red again. Yeah. So here's that's crazy I, though. Fifty <laughs> bucks into six grand. Dude, this awesome. guy is lighting it up, and let's just say he's making about as much money as I am. So that's a <laughs> lot of money he just made. Um. <laughs> But no, I, I, how do you not? I mean, here's the way I look at it, man. If this guy places another bet tomorrow right. and it hits, how dumb are you going to feel? And how dumb would I feel if for the second straight time I did not follow this guy? Well, I won't feel as dumb as you because I don't know <laughs> the guy. Uh, and I also kind of I'm very conservative. So I've kind of along the lines of Matt that, hey, the dude's luck's got to run out. But <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if you don't jump in you're going to kick yourself in the ass afterwards. Right. right. So do you, do you know what the bet is yet? Or are you? No, waiting? I basically I'm, I'm walking in. I'm going to see him on Tuesday. I'm going to, or tomorrow. And I'm going to say, what do you got for me today? Whatever. Mm. I'm not even going to question it. Whatever he says is where I'm going. All right. I'm just, and, uh, and he just, I don't know. He's just a wizard. And well, as sometimes some, you get lucky too, though. You do. I mean, hundred percent. If you're winning a plus twelve thousand six leg parlay, there's some luck involved right. on one Saturday. But I don't know, man. I'm just telling you, there's something. There's like a tingle in my spine. This guy's got some magic, and I just felt the need to share it not only to you but potentially to listeners who. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll tweet it out tomorrow when I. I was going to say you need. You're going to want to follow this. I'm yeah, just, I... I'm trying to help you. Okay. Ted, I'm trying to make it so your retirement isn't spent in your basement. It's spent in Arizona, like you were planning. Yeah. Are you Are you also thinking maybe I ought to buy some real good broadcasting equipment too that is fail safe? 
<laughs> I don't. I, I think you could have the nicest equipment in the world and have own, your own technician setting it up and probably still fail. It seems like there's a new problem with these broadcasts. Every yeah, week. it's the yeah. it probably is the boomer in me. Who knows? You know. Uh, but yeah. you know, you brought up a good point, Jared, about the Pistons and getting the big win yesterday. And we haven't really talked a lot about the Pistons. Uh, we've talked a little bit about NBA basketball, and you know, the Lakers. We can get into that in a little bit. It looks like LeBron is is fading maybe a little bit on carrying yeah. a team on his back. But the Pistons, what are we thinking right now? You know, they they got that win yesterday, but they're still. It's been a tough, tough season, and they still have maybe another piece or two to get to. Uh, is Casey going to ride out the storm, do you think? And do you think the Pistons really, with the way they played this year, with the youth they have, are a team really to look at on the upswing? Especially you, Jared, being uh, yeah. working for Bally Sports. You see uh, them all the time. So I'll be honest. I think Coach Casey will be here next year. I think Coach Casey is a good coach. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's just like any other NBA or we, we might be seeing it right now with Campbell for the Lions where if you don't have the talent, like there's really not, you can't fake it. Uh, every coach is pretty damn good in the NFL. Every coach is pretty damn good in the NBA. Um, but no, I love this team. I mean, they haven't been getting much pub, obviously, because of their record. But a lot of that was due. I mean, they started so cold. Like, I want to yeah. say they were, you know, like 20 games below 500 in the first like 20, 25 games. Like they started ice cold. Uh, but from there, I mean, we've seen a lot of like flowers that are maybe starting to blossom. I mean, Cade Cunningham, mm. if you haven't watched Pistons, I really do think he's the real deal. I mean, yeah. every game he's, he's putting up, you know, 15, uh, seven and seven. Uh, and he's just, he runs the entire offense. The Pistons offense entirely is run through him. Uh, so I'm sold on him. And then you have Sadiq Bay, who's fifth in, um, uh, total three pointers made this far through his career in this many games of all time of any player that's ever played in the NBA, just an absolute sharpshooter. And then we all know about Isaiah Stewart clearly has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Maybe not the best player, but he's just a guy that if he's in the NBA, I want him on my team because he's electric. And then finally, I'll just last player that I think is a real uh, point of pride is, is Hamadou Diallo. The guy did not play the first 25 games of the year due to disciplinary issues, you know, maybe some uh, problems with Coach Casey. Uh, but once he finally broke the lineup, dude, this guy has been balling out. And if you don't know him, the guy is the definition of a, my term that I like to call a super athlete, where he's dunking everything, stealing everything, plays a million miles an hour. Uh, so I think the Pistons got a lot to build off of. And I think next year, I really do think it's playoffs or bust. You know, whether that's a play-in game, 100%, they need to be in the playoffs next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think the whole Coach Casey, you know, when he came to the Pistons, he was coming off, he was the NBA coach of the year. And, you know, some some people kind of forget that. But with that award, I mean, right. he had the perfect recipe. He had Kawhi and Kyle Lowry and, you know, the, the Raptors were just stacked. So he won that award. He doesn't have that in Detroit. So you're kind of seeing like, yeah, maybe it does he have the coaching chops to actually like build a team? Uh, I, I think he's a good coach. So we'll see. Kate Cunningham definitely he he almost has that. You wonder if he's going to have like that job Morant turning around the Grizzlies. Will Kate yeah. Cunningham be able to do that with the Pistons? You have to have other good players. In the NBA, that's just how it is now. You see Harden bouncing around all the places. You see Kevin Durant leaving the Warriors to go play with Kyrie Irving and AD and LeBron. You know, Ted, you brought him up. Like you have in the NBA, you have to have two or three legitimate stars yep. to actually contend. I mean, you look at the Blazers have Damian Lillard, who's one of the best point guards ever, and they essentially haven't been able to do anything because their second best player this whole time has been CJ McCollum, who's good. But, you know, he's not Kevin Durant or, you know, he's not, you know, some of these other guys. So that's the big thing with the Pistons. 
Kate Cunningham's yeah. legit. If you can keep him, you've got Stewart. What are they going to do with Jeremy Grant? You know, it seems like right. he might go. Um, if you got Bay Diallo, so you've got some other solid role players. So now who are you going to pair with Cade Cunningham and actually become a legitimate contender? Because the way they're built right now, they're not competing with the Bucks. They're not not competing with the Nets. <laughs> no. You know, they're not competing with the Heat. You know, they they've got to build some team, get some guys around Cade Cunningham. And to that point, how are they going to get another star to come to Detroit? Like that's the like second part of it. You've got to convince some other superstar that. Cade Cunningham's legit. Come yeah. here and you can play with Cade Cunningham and these other role players. We've got a good coach and you can contend in the East. Like that, that's what it all is. Cause if you can't get uh, someone like a James Harden or, you know, something like that to come play with Cade Cunningham, I mean, you're, you're gambling on hoping a draft pick. I mean, they're going to have a top draft pick. You're hoping that another draft pick is going to be a star. Yeah. And, you know, you know, which could happen. Who knows? It could happen, but it hasn't happened for the Pistons no. in quite a while. So, are and, they are they looking right now top five pick? I mean, oh, I mean they are the third right now. Third, uh, only okay. a game out of the number one pick. Actually, if they would have lost yesterday, they'd be the number one pick. Oh wow! Uh, a few of the guys. There's, there's, there's some good it's the players. Top three. It's yeah, the top three that in college. So. Yeah, Jabari Smith, which I'm sure mm-hmm. Matt knows a lot about. We're in SC Network. Guy's a stud at Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. so, so I've recently kind of dove into college basketball. He's been my number one. Like, who the hell was this guy? I, how did I not know about him a few weeks ago? Stud. <laughs> yep. Almost reminds me of like Kevin Durant type or Evan Mobley. Just super long, can stroke it. Uh, there's Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga. Almost like a unicorn, sort of like a Porzingis type guy where we don't really know if he's going to be the best NBA player ever or maybe not that good. Uh, and then right. there's also uh, Rancho from uh, Duke. So there's there's three studs that I would love any one of them on my team. Yep. What about um, the kid from UCLA that put the dagger in uh, Michigan last year? That's what's weird year? is like, no, thing isn't very high. Yeah. And that's what I've always thought. Like people always talk about how hard it is to like draft in the NBA. But then mm-hmm. you see things like Fred Van Vliet was never drafted. Whereas like right. if, if right. we were like, if we were GMs, we would just be like, dude, did you watch this guy in college? Like he was a stud, like let's draft him. Mm-hmm. But they only they draft on uh, upside. That's basically all they draft on, and yeah. obviously they're wrong a lot of the times. So no, I, I don't even think Juzang is anywhere near the lottery. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah like wow. even like I mean Hunter Dickinson's not, he's still having a really good season. He's not maybe having the season that some people expected. He's actually like falling off draft boards to the yeah. point where people are starting to wonder if he's going to come back to Michigan next year because of it. Yeah, but the NBA it, it's such the NBA draft out of any i mean they all are i guess but it's such a crapshoot you have no idea how some of these guys are going to pan out i mean zion's supposed to be like the biggest can't miss draft pick in 20 right. years obviously there's health issues but you know that hasn't panned out and you know so the, all the guys you're lifting jabari smith looks every bit the part that he's going to be an absolute stud but you know we'll see the chet holmgren thing actually we did i did a the gonzaga game uh, Friday night, and that, that kid, like he's like you said, he's a unicorn. He's seven foot one ninety, <laughs> seven feet one ninety. I mean, he's got all the like skills. Right. He can handle the ball. He can shoot a little bit. But even in college, he's getting pushed around. Um, you know, they lost to St. Mary's, and or no, that was actually Saturday. That was Saturday night. Yep, but uh, yep. they lost to St. Mary's, and um, so you just wonder how's that how's that going to translate to the NBA when he's having to guard guys like Embiid and Jokic and you know mm, stuff like right. that so but we'll see 
Yeah. Well, it, it is key. The Pistons really do have to get at least another star player to go with Cunningham as they continue this rebuild. And, and we know that any team that's going to contend for an NBA championship, you really got to have a big three. You got to have almost yeah. three superstars to contend for the championship. And, you know, one of the biggest superstars, I kind of set it up a little bit at the beginning, is LeBron James. Obviously, you can't shortchange anything in his career. But I think I saw something today on Twitter, uh, some sports writer or somebody said, you know, it's starting to look like uh, when Michael Jordan was winding down his career with the Wizards, yeah, he put up 20 points a game, but you could see that, you know, Father Time is finally catching you up. Can, I'll agree. It, Yes. Well, I remember, so I was actually into an, in an argument with one of my friends last playoffs when the Lakers lost to the Suns and Jay Crowder, like, was, like, dancing in front of LeBron's face, like, basically just, like, embarrassing him. And I said, like, I said it at the time, I was like, dude, this is this guy is not who he used to be. Like, that just, that right. wouldn't have happened. The way they went out in that series, if you remember, like, they basically rolled over. Lost yeah. in six after being up 2-0. They rolled over after that uh, when Anthony Davis got hurt and everything. Uh, but, no, I think it's, I mean, one, it's all his own damn fault. This whole Russell Westbrook thing, everyone tried to tell him that it wasn't going to work, wasn't going to work, and he felt the need to do it anyway. I mean, if they had their current uh, Lakers team constructed from last year, and maybe a little bit better health uh, with AD. I, I still think that they are a top three team in the West, but yeah. uh, injuries and just flat out bad LeBron GM moves had put him in this place. And I do think that he's waning in his career, where he can't he can't go out and score forty every night like he used to. Do I think he can do that like in a in a one game one off game seven play in tournament or something like that? Can he still be the best player on the floor in basically any game? Yes. Uh, but it's definitely not the LeBron we're used to. I think it's a really big stretch to compare him to Michael Jordan with the Wizards. But uh, no, I still think I, I think it's honestly basically comparable to what Jordan was in 98. You know, Jordan just happened to have a great team around him still. Mm -hmm. So they still could make it. Yeah, I, I definitely think if Anthony Davis was fully healthy and I, I agree, if they wouldn't have signed Russell Westbrook and they would have kept Caruso, they were going to trade for Buddy Heald. They were gonna. They could have kept a couple other guys, even Kyle Kuzma. The big thing is if Anthony Davis was healthy and he could carry the load. I, yeah, I definitely. I don't. I don't see the the LeBron and the the Michael Jordan with the Wizards because LeBron can still play. <laughs> the thing that's funny is he has set the bar so high that it's like when he has a little bit of a bad stretch, people immediately go to, "Yeah, his career's over." It's like. This dude's been playing since he was 18 years old in the NBA, basically making the playoffs every season of his his career. At some point, yes, he was going to slow down a little bit. I wonder too if you know he went to LA, he wanted to play for the Lakers, and he wanted to, you know, he's thinking about his life after basketball with the whole broad or um, you know, like movie productions and you know all that stuff. I wonder if living in LA is actually like getting to him a little bit too, like in a good way. He's starting to be like, yeah, you know a little over basketball, obviously he still loves it. He's committed to it and all that stuff. But like, you almost wonder if he's like, actually this is a LA life making movies and being in TV commercials and stuff is actually pretty nice. I wonder if that's happening, but he has said that he wants to play one season with Bronny. Yeah. And Bronny's a junior right now. So if, if they don't lift the one and done rule and he has to go to college for a year, you know, whatever the G league or whatever he's going to do, that's like what? So that's like three years from now. Mm -hmm. that Bronny's going to be in the NBA. So LeBron's got, if he really means that, which it seems like he does, he's got to try and stick it out for two or three more seasons. And uh, can, can we, <laughs> can we talk about the Bronny thing? Um, one, we keep hearing about Bronny, 
has anyone seen like a high school highlight of this guy? And uh, I haven't seen one in a long time. And, I, and yeah. you know, he is a, he is a kid, so I don't want to, I'm not going to jump down that route, but when <laughs> your own dad is basically saying, you know, you're going to be in the NBA in a few years, it's kind of like, it's opening me up to then go see like, Hey, is this kid really that good? Right. I looked, tried looking up his stats. Sierra Canyon's coach doesn't put post their stats. And oh, wow. when I hear that, I think, oh, the hell is oh, that and so you can't hate this guy's stats. He went from a five star to a, he's down to a four star. Now yeah. he's only six, four and he's, he's a small guy. It's not like he's built like LeBron. He can't really shoot it that well. I, I just, it's weird that LeBron is saying this about his son. When, if you watch it, follow his son on social media, his son is like, it's like a gamer. He loves Fortnite. loves like, <laughs> if I'm Bronny, why am I grinding in the gym? When I'm already got seven million followers on Instagram, wow! And I can play. I'm already. I already have a professional gamer contract. Like, what? I don't blame him for maybe not carrying so much as much as, as his dad did when he was a kid. Like, just play video games the rest of your life. What are you doing trying to make it in the NBA? I mean, the one thing is, just because of his name, he's gonna get a shot. Yeah. Even if it's in the G League, you know, like someone's gonna draft him. Someone's mm-hmm. gonna sign him, even to sell tickets. Hope that maybe like when he turns 23, 24, he, you know, maybe grows into his body or whatever and develops a game. Someone's going to give him a shot. So it's kind of like may as well do it for a few years. And if, yeah, by the time he's 25, he kind of flames out. All right. Yeah. Go, go well, be an, a social media influencer and play Fortnite the rest of your well, Why not game. do it? Just, I mean, LeBron's already said he's going to basically follow him. If I'm the Pistons, Hey, let's bring him in for a year. Have a mentor, Kate Cunningham and some of these other younger guys probably make a, pl- a decent playoff run and then shake hands and we're done. Yep. You know, it's not bad in theory, I guess, you know, I'm <laughs> going to go, I'm going to go back to, you know, number one, we got to find out for sure if Bronny is a legit NBA player. When we get to that time, that's the jury's still out. Uh, obviously if LeBron wants to three years from now, he's going to be good enough to make an NBA roster. I think we could all agree. And yeah. if he takes a low salary just to play with his kid, Hey, Good for him, you know. Any any NBA team would take LeBron James at any shape or form two or three years down the road. But you know, I just think about guys like Bronny and and these you know these kids that come up and their 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 dad is a superstar, right? All the pressure that just goes with that, trying to live up to it. I'm really surprised uh, that oh who who's the kid? Uh, who, oh. I'm drawing a blank right now, but the, the guy that had all the hype and his son's ball, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. He wasn't a superstar ball. Wasn't a superstar, but he did put a lot of pressure on those kids the you know, to make it. And apparently, you know, a couple of them did. All right. Yeah. Two of them did, but I'm just, I'm a little concerned about Bronny and the whole pressure on him. And, you know, when you talk about LeBron and, and living the life in LA, can't blame the guy. Cause just think think of all the pressure he's had for what 20 years. Right. Really plus because plus, when he was, yeah. a, I think that he made the sports Sports Illustrated cover when he was a sophomore, I believe, mm-hmm. in high school, as the next chosen one or whatever. So basically, his whole life. You to know, be honest, yeah, I, I think he's in the life. point of his career where he's just like padding his stats. I mean, he's right. got all these different career milestones that he got. The, he got the ring with the Lakers. So yeah, right. he's. He's got nothing more to prove. I mean, we saw it. They lost the heartbreaker the very next day. He's at he's at the Super Bowl. You know. Right partying his ass off so dancing up a storm <laughs> so no i don't think he cares one thing i want to throw out uh in the nba realm that i was actually debating about yesterday um i saw a tweet that basically said 
this dad told uh, this like you know beat reporter or whoever this uh, social this uh, basketball guy was that he spends forty five hundred dollars a oh. year on his son for AAU basketball. Uh, Ted, I just want to ask you first. Okay. Because um, your opinion will be interesting because you've never even dealt with AAU. And then, Matt, this could very well be your your you life in 12 years. So, Ted, I guess you first. You want my opinion on uh, the whole... The spending uh, and just the AAU uh, in general. Uh, I, I'm not against AAU, okay? I think it's okay off-season. If, if you want to play AAU basketball, let's say, in the summertime and not have anything to do with the high school season. I'm okay with that. But when they interfere and it becomes the number one priority, you know, to play AAU ball and you have to play AAU ball before you're even going to get a chance on your varsity high school team, then I draw the line there. I mean, you know, there are some good things about it, but this is the old school part of me. And you, you guys know how I stand on this going back to, there's just way too too much specialization in my mind right now. I think when you're a kid, I mean, whether it be in the classroom or whether it be on the athletic field, you need time to just chill out, get away from it, relax a little bit, move, you know, play multiple sports, don't specialize. And I think it's been proven that the, the top athletes in the NBA, NFL, MLB, they are multi-sport players when they were in high school so yeah. you know the whole aau thing and spending that kind of money and i think it's a it is a generational thing too where i'm not saying it's bad i'm not saying it's good but you know parents nowadays feel obligated that they have to be at every single event of their kid including their practices and i'm not so sure that's the healthiest thing in the world yeah I, yeah, I think being at the games is different when when the, right. you have the parents that have to be at every practice also. Right. It is kind of like, man, I, I appreciate your commitment to your kids, but give them a little bit of space. Uh, this is uh, we could probably do a whole podcast on this because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like really interesting. Like when I was coming through middle school, high school is when AAU. So like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s was really starting to take off. And like to the point where, I mean, Jared, your dad, you know, with basketball, we would talk about like we, we did the Flint league in, in the summer, there was a Flint league that we would go play and yeah. it was essentially AAU. It wasn't AAU, but you know, it was, it was an organized Flint league that our basketball team in the summer, we would go play games. And that's kind of like where it was really kind of starting to pick up and people would start playing for these AAU leagues. And so like, for me, like, like seeing it kind of start, like when I was going through, it was, it, it was almost like you only did that one if you were rich or if you were going to be like LeBron James or something, you yeah. know, like that's the only way you did it. I, it's just, it bothers me because I like, I like the specialist. I played three sports. I think there's so much value in that. I agree 100% with you, Ted, you see it and you hear people talk about like the skills that you build, say you're playing soccer that, you know, the skills that you build in soccer translate to basketball or football or whatever. Like if you only play one sport, you're like not building your body up, you know, and all your other muscle memory and all these other like sure. uh, skills that you could develop. So I, I don't understand that. It's kind of back to the brawny thing. Also, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Does he play other sports? I don't think so. On, no, on just basketball. NBA 2K, you know, so like, so is, is that really helping his basketball game? You know, probably not. Uh, and like the cost thing, you know, I was talking to, uh, one of my, uh, a guy I work with, his kid is into hockey and oh, God. hockey is just like insanely yeah. expensive. And luckily he said their community, like their hockey community 
they're really good about hand me down. Like when when one kid like you know grows out of stuff, they'll like go down to the next team and be like, hey, I got some skates, some goalie yeah. gear, you know, whatever. They figure that stuff out. So that's cool. But he was saying, I forget the cost for the season. I want to say it was running up around ten grand when he Sounds when right. he built in the the gear, uh, the ice renting time. The, the ice time, just the fees for the league paying the coaches because a lot of these leagues, the parents pay the coaches. You know, so it's not like it's a school system paying the coaches, you know, it's the parents, all of that. But also he said a lot of their games were during school hours. <laughs> so you had to pull your kid from school to go play in these hockey games. Cause that's when they could get the ice time, you know, down here, in North Carolina, there's not as much ice as there is, you know, up in Michigan. So that's part of it. But so all of that combined. And he was like, if my kid didn't absolutely love playing hockey, there's no way we would be doing this but he loves it. His friends play, you know, so we do it, but it, it's getting out of control. To like to the point where you wonder like Imani Bates is almost like a perfect example. He was supposed to yeah. be the next Kevin Durant superstar, best player in the country. And, you know, he starts going, yeah, he starts going the, the AAU route. His dad builds this prep school in Ypsilanti. And you just wonder if he would have just stayed at his high school, you know, played, MHSAA basketball, you know, at what school he did he go to? Lincoln. Yeah. If he would have stayed there, fine coaching, his coaching staff there was fine, developed his skills there. You just wonder if he would have been a little better. I mean, he's he people are talking, he might not even be a first round draft pick. He probably will be just because of the potential. But yeah, I, I, I understand why people go play AU because, like you said, Ted, you feel like you're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. If you don't play these AU sports, you feel like you're not going to make the team, you know, come uh, the school season. And that's a whole other issue. So Here, it is. It's, it's a problem. A, so it's weird because, dude, like, that's what I mean. Like, Amani Bates. I, I remember, remember if, I, if I've told the story on the pod before where I was getting like a police escort into this guy's games. Like, it's a high schooler kid was 15 years old and there's like people are like basically about to start a riot to get into this damn game uh and then you see like hear stories where lebron couldn't get into Lamelo versus zion some aau game like six seven years ago it's it's gotten way too big uh i remember i only played a one year and it's it's just you're and it's it's weird you realize all the costs that start adding up the hotels the uh you're you know you're probably driving at least 30 minutes of practice twice a week um you have to get jerseys you gotta like you gotta get shoes like everything starts adding up the constant driving all over all over the midwest pretty much um i think it's a good thing in general for most mostly it's a good thing but i feel like within the last like 10 years or probably more like five years it's became more of like just like bragging about you like playing AAU like to your buddies. And it was sort of like that, like when I was a kid, where I felt like people really only did it. Like girls would uh, play for this AAU team in Chaussee County. And it was like they would be wearing the jerseys around school or whatever, like how cool it was. I think it's more turning into that for the kids to brag about them being on the team and for the parents to one, go around bragging about how much they spend on this kid's like travel ball. And to say that this kid plays. And I remember talking to my dad. Uh, this was like when I was right in the middle of playing. I was like kind of, you know, disheveled after one tournament. Because <laughs> AAU, I mean, it's like, you know, it's kind of, it's like basically all these kids go from being, the, you know, the star player on their their own team. And then you go to basically be like a 15-guy star player team uh, for, you know, your county or whatever. 
And so I, there would be like certain tournaments where, you know, there it basically it was like it, I was playing for a college coach, you know, where if I made a mistake, I was basically benched for the rest of the game, like without questions asked or something like that. And I was dealing with that, like kind of struggling with it as a little kid. And I remember my dad basically saying to me, like, man, can you imagine if all this time you spent going to these tournaments, uh, driving to practice, you know, basically just scrimmaging in practice, trying to get gelled as a team? Like it wasn't like we were doing drill work, basically just scrimmaging, trying to get used to each other. Imagine if all that time you did if you just dedicated to individual skill work, like a Steph Curry or something. And I still remember him saying that to me. It made a lot of sense. Um, my only rebuttal to that would be like, did now the very next you know year, did I go and do that? No. Like when I was a kid, was I going to go sit in a gym and do a bunch of individual school, school, uh, no, you individual drill work? No. Hey. So I guess the, my only argument would be it's better to have them in this AAU circuit than just sitting at home playing video games. But I do think it really could be improved. I mean, I've seen the coaching at these tournaments, man. You're seeing videos of coaches, like, strangling referees. Like, that's the <laughs> right. type of coaching these kids are getting. Well, right. So this is why, yeah, we, we could do a whole podcast on it. That's a whole other topic is the coaching in AAU. I mean, we, the three of us know that, you know, your dad, your dad was a phenomenal coach. But, like – a lot of the high school coaches aren't the ones coaching yeah, these AAUs. It's just some like dude. It's some dad who's reliving his glory days. Cause he played ball back in the day. So he thinks he can coach. And so that's a whole other issue is the coaching and like leadership that these kids are getting in AAU. There's probably some that are phenomenal coaches. So it's not yeah. everyone, but you know, yeah, you see those videos of some, some dude just going off on the refs or going off on other parents and it's like, this is not the leadership these kids should be getting. You talk about like the bragging part. I think a lot of it is social media. Like uh, um, they're, they're trying to get famous on social media, you know, to say like they played in this AAU tournament. So, you know, yeah. they want to try and get all this, you know, hype on social media. That's here's my highlight other. tape. You know, yep, oh, here's oh. my highlight <laughs> tape. You know, it's just, yeah. It's crazy. I remember, uh, I'll just, the last thing I'll say on this, uh, the perfect, the perfect way to do this is I remember back when, uh, coach Mitchell ran, uh, Lanesburg actually, mm -hmm. um, they Lanesburg would put together their, basically they would just take their varsity basketball team and go and play in these, you know, grand, grand rapid storm tournaments. They would go and basically play as if they were an AAU team. Uh, and if you remember, that was the team that almost beat Flint Beecher, uh, they had beat. Morris, and they had them beat very good team. I remember going to this tournament, watching my brother. He played for uh, this Lansing Triple Threat uh, AAU team. And I remember watching this Lanesburg team beat this Lansing Super Team. <laughs> and I remember, man, like, what a great program that is. That's exactly what you should be doing. They played like a team. They were basically just playing, like, their normal game while all these other teams are playing AAU street ball. And I remember they were going on, like, a magical run through the tournament. Like, I just I, – that still sticks in my head. Like, how cool is that, that this team, they did it the right way. That's what more programs yeah. should be doing. You know, I don't well, even want to. Sorry, that, Ted, that, that's what we did. When I mentioned the Flint League, it was our varsity team. We went and played in the Flint League, and we were playing a bunch of teams that were, you got two dudes from Flint Central, two dudes from Flint Northwestern, two dudes from Southwestern came together for this super team. And we're just playing with our our varsity team, and we're smoking all these cool. So. Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, I don't even want to stop this conversation. There's so many ways we could go with this. I <laughs> yeah. mean, really. I mean, I just one point I want to make, you know, and I got somebody somebody tweeted to me. They were asking about a local high school uh, basketball program, why they've struggled so much. And I didn't really have a specific answer for them. But along the topics that we're talking about, you know, AAU is a whole separate entity. But I think and if, and you guys can agree or disagree, but the successful I think high school 
programs, whether it be basketball, whether it be football, baseball, whatever, the key word is program. And, and okay, you got to develop a program and you got to have a varsity coach that is so sold into the system that they're putting in so much time with the third and fourth graders right at the beginning, Saturday basketball. They're showing their face at the gym. They're directing whoever's coaching the teams, whether it be the high school varsity players or whoever it is. This is what I want you to do. Then that varsity coach is watching these young kids. He can see who has the potential. He can see who uh, maybe isn't doesn't have the skill yet, but they could grow into yeah, it. Yeah, right. And they are, yeah, because we all know the kids that were junior high, middle school superstars that never panned out when they got older. Me. You know. <laughs> at least I'm in basketball. Not, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, but I'm just saying well, you that. Just, the, yeah, you just stopped growing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Draymond Green in middle school, man. Guard all five positions. I was the same height. Yeah, all you Fatal boys are pretty good. That's for sure. But, you know, the thing is, like, I, the point I'm making is a good, successful varsity coach has to run the youth program and put the time and effort into it. I'm not saying a lot don't, but then again, I am. I, I think the real successful ones, you can tell that they put the time into it and they're organized and, and, and they, they're successful. Yeah. That simple. Yeah, I remember I had an eye-opening experience when I went to Grand Valley State, and we were talking before we recorded about uh, Grand Rapids South Christian, the team that mm-hmm. we ended up we lost in football in the playoffs and basketball in the playoffs to them. I mean, they were just a powerhouse, and I ended up going at Grand Valley. A few of the guys that played for those teams, so obviously, you know, I was wearing Corona stuff. They're wearing Grand Rapids South Christian, so we're like, hey, you know, you know, we yeah. kind of start talking. And they kind of, they laid it out. You know, we started talking about our programs. We started talking about, you know, whatever, all this stuff. And they laid it out for me that that's how it was there. That all the way down to their like peewee football, kicks football program, they're running the same offense. Yeah. You know, it's obviously dumbed down quite a bit, but they're running the same, the same route tree, the same, you know, like terminology, the same blocking scheme all the way down to youth. So then like each level up to middle school, you know, you insert some more. And then high school, you know, by varsity, you're running the whole system. So by the time you get up to varsity, you you know everything. Right. I mean, you, you're ready to go. And I'm not not taking any shots because, you know, I was happy with my experience at Corona. But we definitely, at least when I was there, was not we were not doing that at Corona. Yeah. And, and to the point where every year, freshman to JV to varsity, we were learning new offenses every right. summer. And again, I'm not not taking any shots. But it's like, man, when you think back to that, you're spending half your summer trying to relearn a new offense. And, you know, that maybe doesn't make that much sense. And then to that point, too, when I went to work at Fox 17, um, I ended up over in Grand Rapids interviewing um, Lowell's Lowell's legendary coach. Dean. Or, uh, uh, coach Noel Dean. Dean. Noel yeah, Dean. Noel Dean. Yeah, we ended up interviewing him. And he said the same thing. You know, we asked him, how is your program so successful and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, we run a system all the way down to peewee football. So by the time they get the varsity, there's no teaching. You're mm-hmm. just like inserting new plays and stuff. And it's just like, it, it's like, this is genius, but also like, it's not, it's not, it shouldn't be that difficult. You know? <laughs> no. uh, yeah. I no, I can actually speak to this. Exactly. I'm So when Chris Curtis came into Corona, he, everybody started running the triple option all the way from the, you know, from seniors till you were uh, in third grade. So from the point where he came in, I think I was in like fifth grade up until I was a senior in high school, 12th grade, like we'd just been running the same offense for years. And you notice the difference because my brother's team, uh, who was, he was four years older than me. Uh, for those who don't know, we ran like the option offense and basically it required, it's a pretty intricate where you got to make reads and stuff like that. 
where they were sophomores in high school still predetermining their reads. So basically, for example, instead of reading it during the play, they would call in the play like, hey, it's a triple option to the right. You're just going to give it or you're going to pull it. <laughs> Whereas we were reading it from the time we were in like seventh grade. Right. And, you know, it's just you just like think all those extra reps you get. And it just made it so it's a lot easier to run when you're in high school. Um, but this is maybe this is our last thing on this uh, segment. I'll throw this out there. And it's kind of a loaded <laughs> question, Ted. I want your answer. Oh, boy. And I'm 100 percent serious when I say this. Are kids in high school not as good athletes as they were even, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, even 15, 20 years ago? Like, I, And I know that sounds like me. I'm just like the cranky old man. Other than like, just like from watching high school football this past year, I, I felt like there was a few teams that were obviously very, very good. You know, Detroit MLK, DeWitt, where I'm like, they could play in, you know, 1980, they could play in 2000. They're still going to be a very good team. But outside of those, I felt like just the overall average, like players, teams uh, are shrinking in roster size. Less kids are playing, more kids are playing video games, doing whatever. I just feel like sports in general are down. At least you know, that's my opinion. It's it's hard to argue that. I can't pinpoint it exactly, but the way you just wrapped it up, the numbers are down. There are other things out there. Obviously, you've heard me bitch about it before, the whole video games and all that that stuff that uh, takes their time away from playing sports. And, and there is a lot of that. And a lot of the problem is also this extra organized AAU that we whole started this whole conversation with kids just don't want to put the time and effort into it because it just it, it's a lot of stress and there's no free time and that's why they say okay well I'm just gonna sit here and play Call of Duty because I don't have to stretch my mind I can just let my mind relax a little bit there's a lot of pressure that goes along with playing you know organized sports and I think I do think that we are in a cycle and I'm not sure how to get out of it but I think uh, the participation like I said is down I'm not going to say the skill level is necessarily different. It's hard for me to say that, but uh, definitely the participation numbers are down, which definitely affects the product. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when people bring up the video games, I remember people saying that when, when I was a kid, <laughs> because, you know, yep. Super Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and, you know, the PlayStation were out. So, you know, I just remember parents saying that you guys are all wanting to play video games all the time. I think it's like, it's a balance of everything we've been talking about this whole time. Kids may be getting sick of, they don't want to be playing sports all the time. Mm -hmm. And so they get sick of it and then they just say, then fine, I'm not going to play. I'm just not going to do it. So, you know, I, I think back to obviously growing up in a, in Corona in the nineties and early two thousands of very different than a lot of other people's experiences. But I think a lot of people back then, you know, there, there were, I played sport. I was playing all the time within the summer camps or you know we had seven on seven football the flint league all that stuff but there were other people who they worked on a farm or you know they they did other stuff but then when it came time for football or basketball or whatever they were 100 committed and they were great players mm -hmm. because I, they weren't burned out so you just wonder if like if there's with the whole aau discussion if kids are just getting burned out on it and they're having more fun playing Fortnite and get trying to get famous on tiktok than being committed to football you know you wonder about yeah. that i so, think the i think yeah. football like i can't explain why basketball isn't as it just seems like there's not as many kids playing i mean it used to be able to easily fill out an a and b and roster in middle school with like make 20 cuts and still have 15 guys in each team you don't see that nowadays football it probably has a decent amount to do with you know cte and all that stuff baby parents are being too cautious or not but i'm not going to necessarily be mad at anybody who doesn't want their son to play due to those reasons. But other than that, I don't know.
I, yeah. I think it's just, I think it's something that I experienced my whole life where, you know, my brothers or whoever would say like our team sucked, like we would beat you. I feel like I'm kind of on like the, that side of the spectrum now where just as soon as I graduated, I felt like, you know, it's just like everything's better when I was a kid. Right. And I, I do think maybe that is the case, but I don't know. Just a gut well, feeling yeah. I have that kids I just mean, aren't as good as they used to be. I mean, we all know that the 2002 Corona Cavaliers football team is the best football team to ever go through right. Corona. So. <laughs> right. That's just how it goes. Yeah. 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 Well, good stuff, fellas. I mean, I, I don't know. Let's just leave this part right there. I think we got a little bit of college basketball we want to get into next year on Three Point Podcast, and uh, we'll get back to that right after this. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. All right, guys, we'll start in college basketball. Of course, uh, Michigan State, a big win on uh, Saturday against Purdue. But yesterday, you know, we're we're obviously Michigan Wolverine fans. And, uh, you know, coming back to play yesterday, I thought they made a great comeback, obviously. But still, I have my concerns on the team's defense, giving up 93 yesterday. What, what are you guys' thoughts? I think that's the biggest glaring weakness on this team. Their offense is obviously streaky. But their offense, I think, could be fine. Dickinson seems to be in a pretty good groove. You see what Caleb Houston can do. Jones is actually turning it around a little bit. But you see the, the glaring defense or weakness on defense without a guy like Franz Wagner, mm-hmm. without a guy like Sean Day Brown, even Isaiah Livers. You know, I think people Eli Brooks is really odd to me. Like, you know, he was fantastic. He's been great his whole career. But like we said, I think we said it a few weeks ago, because he used to kind of be like the third or fourth guy. He's probably still having a solid career. I don't know, like the defensive statistics, but I'm almost to the point of like, I'd rather see like Buffkin or Frankie Collins play over Eli Brooks just because they're young and fast and energetic. And yeah, they're going to make, you know, freshman mistakes, but you know, you want, but you got to have Eli Brooks out there, especially come tournament time. You know, he's a veteran, so he's not going to lose his time, but yeah, I, we've said it basically this whole season. I could see Michigan making a run, whether it's the Big Ten tournament or March Madness, and winning a few games, or I could see them losing their first game because yeah. they just they're cold, can't hit a three, and they lose. That's just what this team is this year. Yeah, they're just not very good. I, I mean, we've talked about it, you know, Ignazium. I'm not going to lose sleep over them losing that game yesterday. You know, in years past, I probably would have, but. At the end of the day, I mean, really, what are we, you know, holding out hope for this team that they can at best make it to the second weekend? Yeah, I mean, we, second weekend. If they get yeah. to the second weekend, that's, and, that's and, a and, it's, and really, at the end of the day, what does that even matter? I mean, this we've seen it with Michigan basketball. I mean, we've made final countless final fours and elite eights, and we still really don't even give a shit. You know, if it's not the championship, it's whatever. So, 
it's just it's a sad thing you know it's, it's been a really a season from hell now with this whole Jawan story coming out and everything that's been involved uh but we'll see hey i mean the only thing i'm holding out hope is it'd be pretty hilarious to see Jawan come back and this team somehow make a magical run through the big 10 but uh i mean like i said i'm not holding my breath for that that's for damn sure yeah that's i mean that's the big story to me i mean i agree with you you know is this michigan team get you all excited about potential national championship no but right now I'm I'm kind of really looking forward to the first game in the Big Ten tournament with Juwan coming back. It's it's very bizarre to me anyway that the suspension was just for the rest of the regular season and he's back to coach them at the end of the year. I'm not so sure that was the greatest move, but it definitely has added a lot of drama coming up and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, it will be interesting, especially obviously if they end up playing Wisconsin in the you know if it works out that they play them in the right. Big Ten tournament, that'd be pretty cool. But, you know, with that, you you mentioned Michigan State winning. Yeah. What do you guys think about the Big Ten? Like, I see a lot of people talk about uh, the conference that Gonzaga plays in and just how weak it is. And it is, you know, top to bottom, it's not very good. They got upset by St. Mary's, and I, they seem to be a good team. But otherwise, top to bottom, their conference isn't very good. And people always talk about how great the Big Ten is. You know, at, at any time, sometimes there are six, seven teams in the top 25. And – Purdue looks great. Michigan State was up, you know, ranked high and Wisconsin, Illinois. But like, you know, when I whenever I see people like pump up the Big Ten as far as a basketball tournament, yes, top to bottom, it is a strong conference. But we've said it before. When's their when's their last national title? Over 20 years ago. Yeah, right. And how many times do we see this this great Ohio State team get bounced in the second round? Even Michigan State has some crazy early exits. All of a sudden, Purdue is supposed to, this is the Purdue team that's going to make a run. They don't even get to the Sweet 16. And yesterday, Purdue's top five. Michigan State sliding, falls out of the top 25. Michigan State beats Purdue. So, like, do you think it's it shows that the Big Ten is good overall? You know, like top to bottom, a bunch of really good teams? Or actually, they're just like a, a solid conference? Well, it's, we it's weird because – we love the tournament. Is it the best way to crown like a true champion? No, Probably but not. it's still fun. And I still will agree. I still would never get rid of it. Um, so I think that partially deals with it. But two, it's like, how long has the big 10 been? I feel like this narrative that the big 10 has been the best like basketball conference has been around for like 12, like for like 10 years. I feel like people have kind of accepted this ever since John B or John B line kind of came on strong. Uh, but you guys know what my strategy has always been every March madness. It's anti big 10. Right. Uh, for me last year, uh, other than a couple teams like Michigan State, Michigan, really, other than that, I basically uh, pick everybody else to lose early and often. Um, so I've always kind of thought this. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's because we don't ever really get the top true top recruits. I mean, we had the number one recruiting class with Michigan, but that was more just because of all the we had a, a culmination of guys, not, you know, not Chet Holmgren, not Jabari Smith. We don't really get those guys. And I think that's really at the end of the day, that's really what kind of hurts us. Don't you think, though, that uh, – and Matt said it, too. Big Ten is a is a strong conference, I think. Don't you think they're top three uh, conference in America, even though no, they have – I think arguably one, but I just – Okay. It, you know, for, but that's in terms of, like, top to bottom. Right, top purposes, to bottom. But in terms of just having elite, you know, great teams like Villanova, Gonzaga, uh, you know, Baylor this last year, we just never right. really have had a team like that. It's been a while. Right, maybe – Maybe the the one or two years that Michigan with like Trey Burke was stacked. Right. Obviously, Michigan State has had a couple really good teams. I, I more think it's just the the college basketball game in general because 
you know, if, if you don't say it's the Big Ten, then which conference is it? Because the ACC isn't like super powerful. The SEC right. isn't super po- powerful. You know, both of those are very top heavy. You know, the, the Big East or, you know, some of the, the A-10, like some of these other conferences, it's not like they're just like crazy powerful, the Pac-12. So, you know, I, I think it's maybe like we've talked like college basketball is just like spread out a lot now. You've got top recruits going to, I mean, Imani Bates went to Memphis yeah. and, you know, Chet Holmgren went to Gonzaga. Gonzaga is obviously really good, but, you know, teams are just like spread out. So it's just interesting. I like when I see people take shots at Gonzaga and then they bring up the Big Ten. Oh, if Gonzaga came to the Big Ten, they might not even make the tournament. I'm like, <laughs> I think they'd be fine. Like, would oh, they yeah. be the number one team in the country? Maybe not, but right. They're a really good team. I think they'd be all right. They they would do fine against Nebraska and you know some of these other teams. But yeah, you kind of said it. As much as we love March Madness, it is kind of funny sometimes. Like like the year that uh, that Zion and Duke lost to Michigan State. That Michigan State team was good, but that Duke team was like the best team all year. And then mm-hmm. obviously they ended up losing. So it's like, is is the tournament the best way to to determine the best team in the country? And, and I will say, sure, what, sucks, fun, what sucks is maybe Izzo's last legit shot at a title was the COVID year. That, yeah. I mean, that Michigan State team was loaded. They beat Michigan. I mean, we saw those defeats. Michigan was a great team that year. Sweet 16, I think they ended up making it. Yeah. And State just beat us by like 10, three games in a row that year. Uh, right. And it was a different heartbreaker almost every time. But no, so I think that that the fact that we lost that, that was a elite team that had a legit chance. And the fact that they never got a chance. Uh, who knows that 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 Big Ten streak could have ended that year, for all we yeah. know. Did you guys watch the Michigan State game on Saturday by by chance? In and out a little In bit. In and out, yeah. They uh, it it was a, a classic Tom Izzo bounce back game, wasn't it? I mean, coming off a humiliating loss to to Iowa, but he said we're going to make some changes. They were kind of subtle, but uh, they were ready to play, and you could tell that he coached them up after that loss. I mean, yeah. I know, I know, I'm the I'm the Izzo booster here no, on this great, podcast. He's a he's a fantastic coach, and he knows how to he knows how to coach a team and get them uh, their mindset right. He's a good X and O's coach. I mean, he's as good as they get coming out of timeouts. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I think this team, that team, is really underachieved this year. I mean, yeah. we saw at least you know after that Michigan game, I was like, man, this team's gonna win. You know, get big, get close to 23, 24 wins. I I thought mm-hmm. they've lost six in a row until they beat Purdue. Um, I don't know. I, I think Izzo's a great coach, but um, I, I wouldn't say this is one of his best jobs. I mean, we saw Michigan beat Purdue. It, it's right. just the way the Big Ten is. It, I don't really put too much credence in those wins. It's you're gonna get a big win when you play these ranked teams every week. You're gonna you're gonna win one somewhere along the road. Yeah, well, fair points yeah. for sure. You know, and here we are recording this on the last day of February, March, baby. It's right around the corner, yep. and we got Michigan, Michigan State coming up Tuesday night, don't we? It should be an interesting contest. It should be, and it's it's at Chrysler, so right. you know that helps. And I mean, I I almost feel like this is a especially with Michigan's loss uh, yesterday. This is like uh, almost like a season-defining game for Michigan. Mm-hmm. If they can win this game, and even if they, you know, kind of flame out in the tournament, at least they can say they split with Michigan State. You know, yeah. but if they lose this, they go zero and two versus Michigan State, and say they get bounced in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, then th- this looks like a pretty disappointing season. But it's a big one for Michigan because you know they're they're not they're still kind of on the bubble. I think right. Michigan State's Michigan State's pretty well set. 
So it's almost like whoever wins that game on Tuesday is probably good to go. Yeah, the 100%. Yeah. And whoever yeah. loses, you're starting to flirt with the bubble. So it's a big game for both yeah. teams. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun one to watch for sure, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't think either of our schools probably will go too far in the tournament anyway. You well, look I tell at you it. what, I, I am rooting for Michigan to be in the play-in tournament the, or the play-in game. <laughs> Give us a little bit extra juice on that Tuesday night. You know, basically in, in in our world, that that tournament 100 starts on Tuesday, just like it did last year with yeah. the Michigan State game. So that's one one good thing that could come from this bad team. That is a legit yeah. comment there because I usually don't pay much attention to the the first games there unless uh, Michigan State or Michigan's in it. So that's that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's enough on college basketball. Let's wrap up this podcast right after this. Looking to buy items online, go to CRAuctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. CRAuctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to CRAuctions.com. Search our inventory and place your bid. Plus, there are online auctions for farm machinery, firearms, automobiles, and truckloads of overstocked items. It's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out CRAuctions.com today. All right, guys, before we sign off, uh, we started to talk about it a little bit at the beginning because of my recording woes, but uh, we're going to see if we can maybe hook up uh, with a couple former Cavaliers and uh, Coach John Fattel of Freeland and Kyle Clough for Rockford up down the road here. But I had a chance to watch uh, Freeland up close and personal on Saturday night, and uh, John's got a nice team there. They uh, they have a pretty solid team. I, I look for them to finish the regular season undefeated. You never know what can happen in yeah. the tournament, but uh, uh, he's got a nice squad. It's an exciting – I mean, there's nothing quite like getting ready for a high school basketball run. I mean, Matt had a great run back when he was in high school. Yep. I mean, there's just some – I remember when my brother's team, uh, they won like six games. The next thing you know, they're in the regional final. Like, they made a <laughs> magical run that season. So, it, it's cool to see, and – I'm just jealous, man. I mean, I never, I never had the opportunity. I watch it every year, March Madness. My team's never made it out of districts, uh, so I'm jealous for anyone that has the opportunity to do that. Yeah, do you got any intel on young John? Uh, uh, what's got him to this success? And if it's his third year right now, uh, is it just a matter of he got the kids in the program? Uh, you know. Well, they got a lot of young kids that have been uh, – they have a few different players that have been up on varsity since they were sophomores. And okay. anytime you do that, I mean, by the time they're seniors, you're, you know, they're as senior-laden as you can be. Uh, and, and they're just – they're a great offensive team. You know, they got a great scheme. They run this sort of like Princeton-style offense. Right. And then it really helps when you have three different guys that can really shoot the rocks. So, no, they're about as good offensively as you'll, as you'll see from a high school team. And they're fun to watch. I mean, they're, they're, they're a great team. There's no one player that you right. uh, that's just dominating. You know, it's it's a really a collective, so uh, collective uh, team effort. So no, they're a lot of fun to watch, and we'll see come tournament time. I mean, they have a team that they can get hot on any night. I, I think they could beat just about anyone in Class B. Uh, they're definitely going to need their best game to do that, but uh, it, it'll be fun to watch for sure. It's that Corona coaching tree, right? <laughs> Yep. Heck yeah. I will say this: <laughs> they, that never come to Corona. It's kind of hilarious. <laughs> well, Kyle, Kyle started. Yeah, at yeah. Corona. It it was a pretty good uh, pretty good job of scheduling to Palama Westphalia, which has a tremendous athletic program in both football and basketball. Playing them in their gym, you know, as we get ready for March here, that was a good test for them. That was probably Freeland's toughest test on the season, I think, real close to it. 
Yeah, Quamo's good every year in every sport. I mean, just to, yeah, that's what we were talking about building a uh, program. If I'm a if I'm trying to build a high school program, you know where I'm going. I'm going 45 minutes up the road to Quamo, Westphalia. And yeah. uh, what can you remind me on the coach's name uh, for football at least? Uh, now oh boy. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. I was thought, like every week. I thought he was going to say basketball, and that's Dominic <laughs> Schneider. But there football. you go. All right, Matt, we'll talk. Well, we'll, yeah, I, I can't say the same thing about the basketball program, but it's still a good program uh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for putting me on the spot there. No problem. I thought you would. I, I, I didn't even think I was putting you on the spot. I figured you knew that just like it was your friend. I thought, but Smith, no, he, I believe, is his name. I oh, I think you're right. Good save. All right. Well, anyway, uh, you know, we are wrapping up the podcast. Uh, Just one final comment we haven't really talked about. I'm not going to get political or anything, but it's too bad what's going on in Europe right now with Russia and Ukraine. And uh, one thing you got to say, you got to have a lot of respect for the Ukraine president coming from the entertainment world. You know, we know another president that did. We'll just leave it there. But he came from being a comedian, actually was the champion of Ukraine's version of Dancing with the Stars, and now he's rallied the rallied the citizens and the troops to fight against the evil enemy and Vladimir Putin. So, any follow up comments, or just want to leave it there? Uh, it's I'll just say I mean yeah, horrible what's going on. It's scary. It's scary. Uh, but I mean honestly, I mean I'm, I'm in the draft age where yeah. you know if, if somehow some way it did turn into that, I would probably be going. Um, but no, it's uh, it's the one thing that's kind of just weird to me, and it, and it's cool. It's not cool, isn't the right word, but it's weird seeing a war play out in like the media generation, mm-hmm. where I'm seeing it like even you know the biggest story I felt like coming out of Ukraine was this ghost of Kaviv, uh, you know, fighter pilot that was taking down these Russian planes, and it just, I just read yesterday that that was entirely fake. Totally uh, believe that. Yeah. So it's just it's weird, and I you don't know what to believe. <laughs> so I'm just it's it's weird to see it play out that way. But no, it's 100 percent horrible what's going on over there. Yeah, I, I saw something the other day about what you're just talking about, Jared. How how different and cool it is in the social media age, getting to see stuff basically in real time. But yeah. also the other side of it, you have to be able to see like what's real and what's not because of a lot a lot of it is fake. Because actually, we've talked about Ted getting on TikTok. <laughs> I was watching like I ended up watching a bunch of reporters and stuff like when the invasion first started happening, when it was all getting going. People were like streaming it live on TikTok and people were like, who knew that TikTok would be the place to go watch all of this unfold? And Mm. it's kind of crazy, you know, to think about that. It is definitely insane. I was just watching and I, I, my, my wife laughs at me sometimes. I turn on, I turn on the Today Show or Good Morning America sometimes in the morning and I'm like, God, how old, how old am I getting? (laughs) But so I turned it on good morning America this morning and they're, they're talking about it obviously. And they were talking about all the people fleeing um, Ukraine and, you know, going to Poland and other countries. And it just made me think like kind of what you're saying, Jared, like I like, I can't even imagine what that would be like. It makes you kind of thankful that like here in the U S I mean, we have a ton of our other issues, but we haven't had to deal with something like that, you know, and to, to feel like you have to leave because there's a war going on in your country you know it would just be kind of crazy to be like I, I've, I've got to flee to canada or you know i've got to flee to mexico or something like that like it was just you know watching it it was just like i can't even imagine like what that mindset would be but you know, one is, comment i will make sad. on some uh, something ted said ted you made, i remember you said something along the lines of hey let's not send any troops let's just uh right. fund them with weapons uh do you know how the u.s got into world war ii this is exactly that. And then right. the Japanese. So I guess it's 
kind of just I nothing. I shouldn't have even said that. I was just basically throwing your whole point uh, in trash. But. Well, I was going to let. Well, yeah, I was going to let you expound on that. Why don't you continue on and explain that whole situation about World War? I think War he was II. trying to say that you're supporting World War Three. No, he's. I'm basically <laughs> just saying that you can't. You, there's no. You can't be supplying supply uh, supplies to the enemy of Russia. And just not expect that you're just not a part of the war. It, it's just it, it, it will 100. If it, if it does dive into something that bad, it would come back and bite us. I well, guess. don't don't you think we're doing the same thing when we're putting all these uh, financial sanctions on Russia and all well, that? Well, that's what, I, same I, thing. I'm not saying what are you supposed to do? To do? I, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. It's just it's funny how we're just kind of watching like history repeat itself in that way, where it's I mean, well, we've well, seen we are before. Yeah, well, we are. And you think about how it is, because, uh, again, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but we all know about Adolf Hitler. And if you don't think Putin's kind of along the same mold, uh, you haven't been paying attention. He has his finger right on that button. And that's the scariest part to me, because if things don't go well for him in Ukraine and God bless those people for standing up for their country and fighting back. I mean, I'll just come full circle on this. We are we've dealt with this COVID thing and we thought, Oh, this is the worst thing ever. And all this, but just think how lucky we are every day to live in real true freedom. And we can get in our car, go do what we want, whatever. We don't have to worry about getting bombed or shot at. And those poor people, you know, the, right. what they say up to 60 years old, the guys had to stay home so they could fight for their country. And my God, can you even think about and fathom that it's just unreal. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we'll yep. leave it. We'll leave it there. We'll lighten it up a little bit and just uh, give a preview for uh, next time on Z92.5. Just want to tell you about we got high school basketball coming up Thursday night, March 3rd. That's Corona at St. John's. And then I'm going to be real busy next week as I'll have at least four district basketball games. We're going to be planted in the Corona gym for March Magic, as they like to call it here in the state of Michigan. Make sure that recorder's working. Uh, well, that'll be live. I'll, I'll figure something out for sure. Uh, don't forget, follow us at Three Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the program. They include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, The Wash of Owasso, the ALS Association of Michigan, and Z92.5 of the Castle. Until next time, so long, everyone, and bye for now. Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease and every 90 minutes someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org.